Sunday schools out, so that's good, and uh, lots of new faces this morning. Welcome to everyone. Special welcome to to Amy's mum and dad with us just today, and then going back to the mission field this week, I believe. Mark and Faye Griffiths, welcome. Mark was our family doctor in Palmerston North before we went to the mission field, just before Grace was born, and, and now Grace, of course, has married Mark and Faye's nephew, Bradley Griffiths. So there we go. Small world. We're going through the Gospel of Luke. And if you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 19. The Lord Jesus is on a relentless journey to Jerusalem. And in fact, in this chapter... He actually arrives at the foothills of Jerusalem and moving on into the temple. And uh, for those of you who have been tracking the story, you'll find that it's almost like a travel blog, uh, a travel diary. And each step of the way, this careful writer is recording where they are with all the geographical details. And so, for example you'll see some landmark verses as we go through. For example, look at 18 verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho. And now chapter 19 verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho. Chapter 19 verse 11, while they were listening, because he was near Jerusalem. Chapter 19 verse 28, going up to Jerusalem, approaching Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, and then verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down. So if you're a tourist, if you're a journalist, you'll be able to follow this right through, probably even with Google Earth, and see all these landmarks. So there's this relentless, steady journey to Jerusalem, to the cross, the Lord Jesus on a journey. And the timeline, the context of this chapter, is the Lord Jesus entering the last week before the cross, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. But we are only today going to look at the first 10 verses of chapter 19. And we're reading today about one of my New Testament heroes. His name is Zacchaeus. He's a giant of faith. And we're going to read the first 10 verses. And by the way, if there was a tree climbing event at the Olympics, I think Zacchaeus would be in line for a gold medal. So let's read together. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, 
because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Wonderful, wonderful account of a transformed man. Now, I've found many good titles for this account. There's the title, The Wee Little Man, A Little Man Meets a Big God, Nobody is Too Small for Jesus, Zacchaeus Out on a Limb for Jesus, Big Lessons from a Short Man, etc., etc. Wonderful. But today my title is Zacchaeus and the Obstacle Course. Zacchaeus and the Obstacle Course. Now, occasionally you'll find a verse that stands out as a summary of a chapter or a, pa or a passage, or even a complete book. For example, Luke 15, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, here today in Luke 19, verse 10, we have a verse, if you like, that summarizes Luke incredibly well. In fact, this book is full of accounts about lost people. And Luke 19 verse 10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so these are accounts of lives that were changed forever by meeting the Lord Jesus. And Zacchaeus was one of those people. Many of you will know from your childhood the little Sunday school song, Zacchaeus was a little wee man, and so on. In fact, most people when I talk to them refer to that song. But Zacchaeus is not just a cute Sunday school story. In fact, what we find is actually Zacchaeus is not the main character in these 10 verses. The Lord Jesus is the main character. Zacchaeus is a subplot. And Luke's purpose, as stated in chapter 1, is to present the truth and certainty of the historical Christ and his mission. Now, today is not a history lesson, and so I just want to say, what is the big picture of this chapter and this book? I've missed some of the earlier messages from Luke. I've been ill when we've been away, and I've been going back to the website and listening to a few of the messages to get the connection. And so, for the sake of our visitors, too, who have missed a few of the earlier messages, here are some quotes from some of the earlier messages. April 2016, the theme from chapter 1, God loves sinners. And Luke pays special attention to outcasts, Gentiles, Samaritans, women, children, tax collectors, lepers. And then in July, our speaker on Luke 14, God is not a coal merchant. He's a diamond manufacturer. I was listening to that in my office. And it, out of the blue, that quote came from Ryan Goodwin's message. God is not a coal manufacturer. A coal merchant, he's a diamond manufacturer. And we'll come back to that. And then in July, from Luke chapter 15, God rejoices in saving the lost. And many are the links to previous speakers. And so before we zoom into Zach and see the details of this, let us take some of the big picture motifs, the big themes, the mega themes of this book. First of all, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, God's amazing plan of salvation for a lost world. Salvation through Messiah. And I love the story of Max Lucado, and he writes in the story of heaven, the Bible is 
two parallel and beautiful dramas unfolding. There is the upper story. God is real. God is present and he's working on our behalf. And heaven is breaking into this world more than we recognize. And it's a story of God seeking to love us, to show his perpetual grace and longing for a relationship with ordinary people. That's the upper story. And then there's the lower story. We live on earth. We make mistakes. We run from God. We resist him. And sometimes we get so mired in the lower story that we fail to recognize God's presence breaking into this world. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. And time and again, the Gospel of Luke presents to us the challenge of the upper world, the kingdom of God which is within us and above us. And the fact that we are living for a different destiny and a different purpose because we are living for heaven and not for this world. And if we grasp that, it makes all the difference. And so that is one theme from Luke, God's amazing plan. Secondly, the saviour of the world, God's perfect man. Who is this God-man in this gospel? Who is this one who comes and challenges the status quo? And Luke is writing to an audience that is very demanding, very discerning. And Luke is presenting this one who is not, as the Romans are seeking, a mighty military man, one who is claiming power by force, brute force. And Luke is writing to Greeks, and their ideal of manliness is one who elevates and educates and is someone that can be admired. Well, God sends his son the perfect man, the man Christ Jesus. And he's one who is the man for all people, the man for all seasons, and he comes alongside us right where we are, sympathizes with us. He's a man of prayer, he's a man of compassion, and he's a man of wisdom, the saviour of the world. And then the third motif, if you like, the mega themes, the kingdom of God, the saviour of the world, and then God's rescue mission. God-loving people. The good Lord keeps bad company. And Luke stoops down into the very gutters of society and he says, you see that beggar there? You see that leper there? You see that child there? God loves you and me. God is seeking the lost. You don't have to be important or significant or spectacular. You don't even have to be tall because God loves you. By the way, Zacchaeus is a solo item. You never hear another word about this man again. Not once more, but we'll meet him in heaven if we're going there. So God reaches down and saves the lost. That's the message. The blind, the beggar, the mute. And so you have Zechariah. And he was mute, he couldn't speak. You have Zacchaeus, and he was short, he couldn't see. The down and out on the street. And by the way, we live in a world of prejudice. We live in a world where we are surrounded by subtle and sometimes obvious prejudice. And I want to give you an example just to get you thinking. During the week I was picking up Kennehy kids on Tuesday night, and as we, as we turned the corner here from Clarken Road into Hukunui, 
five or six little voices in the van piped up, and this is what they said this week, right here in Hamilton, in this street, 200 meters from this church. And this is how it went. Who likes Somalians? Now, by the way, these are all different child's voices. I wish we had a skit writer here. We could have a really good skit, but this is word for word. Who likes Somalians? Ooh, Somalians. No way. You can't even understand them. Hey, we shouldn't judge them. I just don't like them. You get it? Prejudice. Right where we are. We are living with prejudice. We are seeing prejudice right where we are. And so now, right into that backdrop and right into that context, let's go back to Luke 19. And here's the story. Jesus is passing through, just passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's not even planning to spend any much time in Jericho. But he's passing through and the Son of God is never too busy for interruptions. Are you, are you too busy for an interruption? That phone call, that text, that email, that request comes right when we're not expecting it, and the Lord Jesus is passing through, verse 1. God recognizes the need and welcomes the divine appointment and meets with this man. Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now let's be very clear about this. When it says he was a chief tax collector, that's not saying that he was a very important, admired man. Let's be quite clear about this. It's a little bit like the, the story of the two, the two ladies walking through a, a graveyard an overcrowded English country graveyard, and they came upon a tombstone and it said, here lies John Smith, a politician and an honest man. Good heavens, said one lady to the other, isn't it awful they had to put two people in the same grave? Well, Zacchaeus, tax collector, tax collector, scumbag, scoundrel, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and everybody knows Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's at the top of that horrible, horrible Ponzi scheme whereby you pay your taxes and then Zacchaeus clips the ticket on the way through to those horrible Romans, the tax collector, the loner, the despised little man, and he's short and he's rich, and he's greedy. He's ruthless, probably, and he's hated, and he's marginalized because why? He is the chief of collectors, verse 2. The chief tax collector. It reminds me of Paul saying he was the chief of sinners. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, the social, social outcast. Now, Zacchaeus, in verse 3, it says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, that's a very interesting phrase. I must admit to you, I can't find anything really special in the Greek to say what that's all about. Apart from the word to see is also to understand, 
to know. And Zacchaeus has heard about this Saviour. He has heard about Messiah, the Lord Jesus passing through, and he wants to meet him. Not just to see him, to see who he was. That is Zacchaeus' curiosity. More than curiosity, he had a desire to meet the Saviour. Do you have a desire to meet with the Lord Jesus today? Because if you do, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, Zacchaeus had a problem. It's not a major problem. People talk about being vertically challenged and so on. It's not actually a big problem to be in Zacchaeus's shoes. Let me tell you, it's not actually a problem. For example, you don't really quibble about Lydia Cope playing golf. You don't say, oh, she should be doing the pole vault. You say, well, good old, good on Eliza for getting the, gold, the silver medal in the pole vault. Good on Lydia Cope for getting the silver in the, in the golf. Zacchaeus actually was a very, very capable man. No doubt about it. You have to be to be a tax collector. But Zacchaeus's problem was simply this. To see the Lord Jesus and to get close to him, he needed to go a bit further. And so he ran. He ran, verse 4. He runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs a tree. Good on him. And verse 5 is a very, very significant thing because the Lord Jesus, without any introduction, without any, any record of appointment, stands by that tree and calls Zacchaeus by name. Not you there or good morning or, you know, greetings to you. Zacchaeus, you come down. And by the way, when we welcome people in the foyer, it's lovely when they come back the next week and we say, good morning, Jeff. Hello, Basil. People like to know that you remember their names, but the Lord Jesus didn't have any problem remembering names because he knew Zacchaeus through and through, right from the start. God knows us by name. God knows you by name, even before you were thought of he knows all about you. I was reading Psalm 139 this morning and just pondering on the wonder of the fact that God knows all about me and knows all about you. He knows our down-sitting and uprising. He knows our thoughts are far off, even the words on our lips. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, If I rise up on the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me fast. This is the God who knows Zacchaeus by name. And he greets us. He seeks us. He says to Adam, where are you, Adam? He says to Hagar in the desert, what are you doing here, Hagar? And Hagar can only say, you are a God who sees me. God knows you, all about you all your mysteries, all your problems, all your confusions, all your doubts, your successes and failures. He's the God who pursued Jacob. And Jacob in a dream sees those, that ladder from heaven and the angels ascending and descending. And Jacob awakes and says, surely the God of Abraham is in this place and calls that place Bethel. He's the God who pursues Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul the blasphemer, Saul the murderer, breathing out insults and blasphemy and threats. 
And on that Damascus road, God says to Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you persecute. And Saul was a changed man. And so the Lord Jesus greets Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. By the way, the name Zacchaeus in Hebrew means pure. It means righteous. And the Lord's invitation to Zacchaeus in verse 6 is, I want to meet with you and I want to stay at your house. Zacchaeus' response was swift and joyful. He came down quickly and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, the crowd. Everybody there, everybody, not just the Pharisees, everybody there started to mutter. You know, in Luke 15, they talk about the Pharisees murmuring and muttering, but here it says everyone. I would imagine then that all the onlookers, in the Pharisees and the crowd, including those around, all said, this is terrible. The Lord is welcoming this sinner. Says a lot for Zacchaeus, doesn't it? Hey? Not, not very high up in social, social uh, uh, admiration at all. Everyone. And it makes me wonder, are the Pharisees ever happy? Can anybody find me a verse where the Pharisees are happy? Please tell me. Please tell me if you do. Do they ever say anything nice? Do they ever say to the Lord, Lord, actually, that was actually a really helpful, really compassionate, wonderful statement? No, I don't think so. Everybody, everybody said, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And yet that is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus wants to meet with us. He wants to greet us by name. He wants to come into our home and into our heart and commune with us. This morning as we celebrate this table, this feast, we are communing with the King of Kings. We have that invitation to commune and dine and sup with him. Zacchaeus, come down, I want to meet with you. What an amazing meeting. His response was repentance. Verse 8. Lord, here and now, that literally means right now, that's the continuous active tense, right now I am going to restore what I have stolen even more than what the legal requirement is. Even more beyond, above and beyond what I am forced to do. In public, in action, Zacchaeus states that he is sorry and he wants to put things right. That is an amazing meeting. That is a transformed man. God seen the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but what did we say? God is not a coal merchant. He's a diamond manufacturer. This man too is a son of Abraham. Blessing and forgiveness is his. Why? Because... He has received the Lord Jesus, the one who has come to seek and save that which is lost. So what are the learning outcomes? What are the, the conclusions that we draw from this little, little snippet from Luke's gospel? This one-off solo item of Luke, never to be heard again. We never hear again about this man. Three conclusions that I draw from this before we get to our obstacle course, by the way. Firstly, God loves sinners, unconditionally sees their worth, sees their potential, 
God loves you and me. Secondly, people and prejudices often get in the way of our meeting Christ. We'll come back to that, but just hold that in your mind. God loves us. People and prejudices come in the way. And thirdly, the choice to follow the Lord Jesus is personal and it's urgent. Zacchaeus made haste. He came down quickly. The choice to follow the Lord Jesus, the Master, the Messiah, the, the Son of God who loves us, that is a personal choice and urgent. Now back to our title. Zacchaeus and the obstacle course. Did you notice the obstacles in Zacchaeus' way as he ran down that road and he climbed that tree? Did you see the obstacles? And if so, are there obstacles in your life and mine? You know, is it time for a stock take? Is it time for spring cleaning spiritually as we come to this passage this morning? Four things. Four obstacles and you may find more. First of all, prejudice in the way. Prejudice. The impossibility, the absurdity of salvation for this man. Remember that story about the Somalians? Who likes Somalians? Well, here's this tax collector, the absolute, absolute guttermost sinner, stereotyping. I was traveling to Papua New Guinea in April and on the way stopped off in Cairns and on the Sunday was with my host and we went to his, uh, his fellowship. And as I was approaching the door of that church, I noticed on the street a lady who I, I thought was looking unusual. She seemed like she had been taking drugs. Her appearance was, well, just unusual. It, it, it just kind of, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if this church has a ministry to, to drug addicts. I wonder if it's got a, a ministry to the street. We went in and we sat down, and by and by they, they had their, their worship time, and there was this, this woman standing there in the worship group singing beautifully and playing the flute. And afterwards at lunch I said, Tell me about that lady, Connie. Tell me more about her. And uh, Kevin, my host, said, well, that Connie, that, she's a wonderful lady. She's from Canada, but you know, she's actually got cancer and she's having treatment for that. My heart was rebuked. I had seen her as being someone who was perhaps struggling with drugs, but she was God's child. And she was taking treatment for a terrible disease. Prejudice gets in our way. We see the drugs or we see the alcohol or divorce or a mess or violence or broken homes. Why is this gospel so real to me? It's because it reaches the impossible situation. It reaches us right where we are. We don't come to the Lord Jesus and say, oh, first of all, I'm going to go and have to have a bath and I'll have to go and get a suit and I'll have to grow a few inches. No, no, no. God says, come right as you are. Come to the Savior. Make no delay. Prejudice gets in our way. The obstacles in our lives. Prejudice. 
but the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches us. Secondly, Zacchaeus, what is the obstacle in your way? Priorities. Priorities in your way, Zacchaeus. You're rich. You're the chief tax collector. You have a position. You have a career. And all those priorities means that you're a very busy man. You're a very wealthy man and you've got a lot to worry about. And so what comes first in your life and mine? Is it an obstacle, the priorities? And Luke is full of those obstacles. He speaks about the rich fool who tears down his barns and builds greater. He speaks about the young ruler in chapter 18, and we didn't read about it last week because of time, but the young ruler who runs and says, what good master, what good thing should I do to inherit eternal life? And then goes away sad because he had great possessions. Priorities in your way. And by the way, if you ever really want to think about what your priority is, let me ask you this. What is your first waking thought? Because often that is your priority. Often if you go to bed with a hymn on your mind or a verse on your mind or a prayer on your lips, you will wake thinking about God. But if you go to bed with your thought on a rugby match or a bank balance or lack of bank balance, you'll wake up and think about it. Priorities in your life, and we can get so busy, we can get so legitimately busy that we crowd out the saviour of sinners. Prejudice, priorities. Thirdly, the obstacle in Zacchaeus' path, and this one's an easy one, it's verse 3, people. People in the way. The crowd. Obviously for Zacchaeus, he literally had to run ahead of them because of the jostle, because of the crowd, and because he wanted to get to a good vantage point. But I'm talking now about the people who get in the way of our spiritual journey to the Lord. I'm talking about things like hypocrisy. I'm talking about things that actually would stumble us on the road. Criticism. Rivalry. A jostling crowd. Like chooks in a chook run. And if you watch chooks, and we have hens at home, you watch the older ones and how they treat the younger ones and vice versa. Nothing stunts the soul like criticism and comparison. We are here as individuals to personally meet with the Lord Jesus. We love one another, we accept one another, because first and foremost we have a relationship with him. And so I welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I accept you because God has loved and accepted me. People often get in the way. And so we need to be here to forget the labels. Don't call me conservative. Don't call me charismatic. Just call me brother. Because we are all one in Christ. We've all got different backgrounds and different nationalities. And we come with different expectations, but we come to meet the Saviour. And so we forget the labels. We're not called to be Pharisees. We're called to be brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been reading a book called The Twelve Steps for the Recovering Pharisee Like Me. And in this book, the writer John Fisher 
says that there's these 12 steps. In step one, we admit that our single most unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. In step five, we cease all attempts to apply teaching and rebuke to anyone but ourselves. Step 11, we choose to rid ourselves of any attitude that is not bathed in gratitude, and so on. The Pharisees saw the externals, but they missed the point. They missed the heart of the matter. People often get in the way. And when we are a recovering Pharisee, we look in the mirror, and like the, the man in chapter 18, we look in the mirror and we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for stumbling anybody else because I need the Savior. Finally, prejudice, priorities, people. Finally, pride in the way. Zacchaeus had all those obstacles to overcome and he comes to the Savior and he meets with him and then there's that situation and the middle letter of pride and the middle letter of sin is I. Right now, as we stand before the Lord, we have to get rid of whatever pride there is in our hearts because self is often the biggest obstacle. We're so quick to see the speck and miss the plank. And so Zacchaeus did not make excuses. He did not blame the other person. He did not apologize like Donald Trump or the American swimmer. He said, Lord Jesus, here and now I say sorry, and I follow you. That is true repentance. And Zacchaeus gives a good example. Stories told about two brothers in an, in an old small town, and they were constantly stealing. They were caught stealing sheep, and they had done it so often that the leaders of the town were so fed up, they took these two brothers, and they did something very terrible. These days you don't do it this way. But they actually branded on their foreheads two letters, S-T, S-T, sheep, thief. And from that day on, they were always known and seen with this on their foreheads, S-T. And one of the brothers was so ashamed, so, so terribly ashamed that he left the town and Everywhere he went, he had to explain these letters on his forehead, S-T, and he was so bitter and so, uh, so angry, he eventually died a lonely man. The brother, on the other hand, he stayed in the community, and this was on his forehead, and he realized how wrong he had been, and he realized his need, and he started to work with the community to show his sadness and his remorse and also his desire to put things right. He joined projects, he helped in the community, and the years went on, and he actually became more and more accepted. And one day, a visitor came to the town, and in the cafe, he saw this old man, and the children were greeting him, and the others were showing respect to him and love, and this visitor said to the cafe owner, what is that? 
on his forehead. It's S-T. And the cafe owner looked at the man. You know what? It's years and years ago. I can't even remember. I think it might even stand for saint. And that is the story of the cross. That God in his wonderful grace and mercy and love reaches down to where we are, overcomes those obstacles in our lives, and takes the most wicked and vilest of the community and raises us up to be with him. No longer ST, sheep thief, but ST, saint. Zacchaeus, TC, tax collector, now totally changed. Totally changed. Will we run to him today? Will you run to him today? Things to put right with God and with others? Well, get out of your tree. Come down and receive him with joy because the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. 